Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Sharp Edge, a sports conversation for the sports betting world. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. Featuring legendary handicapper Brandon Lang. How much that do-re may be for? And Scott Seidenberg. The Spartos, the Motorheads, Geeks, Bloods, Wastoids, Dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. This is The Sharp Edge. And this is The Sharp Edge, the sports betting podcast that you absolutely must listen to whenever we release episodes, because where else are you going to get this much fun? Alongside Brandon Lang, I'm Scott Seidenberg. I got to start with this, Brandon. I saw this weekend you released a 200-dime college basketball play. The reason why I'm not putting you on the spot here, but I am putting you on the spot here, brother, because I've never seen this from you. I don't think I've seen this type of play from you in years, and it was North Carolina against Duke. Why was this yeah. the play that you chose? Yeah, pretty crazy. I've come with, I've come with two hundred dimers in in football, uh, NFL, Super Bowl. You know, obviously, um, big plays on the gridiron. But I, I just felt it was time. The movie came out in two thousand five. I never released a two hundred dimer in college basketball, and I'm sitting there Friday night. It's three o'clock in the afternoon here in Vegas, and I'm waiting for the lines to come out, and I said to myself, you know what? If I get North Carolina laying less than seven, I'm going to make them a 200-dimer. I just said I am. And there were actually three games that I absolutely loved on Saturday, and I was standing in line at the DMV at 1 o'clock, and I'm scrolling through the games, and I see Texas Tech at Iowa State, and I'm like, you know what? The Red Raiders are playing great. I hope I can get them plus points at Iowa State. I looked at Michigan State and Michigan. I said, senior night, Michigan State, Breslin Center. They're 16-1 and one at home. They've won every home game by 11 points or more. I go, the only team to beat them was Indiana, who beat them again in Indiana. I said, that's a matchup deal. I said, you know what, if I get Michigan State laying less than three, I might have to give them a look. But if I get North Carolina laying less than seven, they're probably going to be the 200 dimers. So here I am at home. Lines came out. Texas Tech opens one and a half. I'm like, oh, man, I was looking for value. <laughs> and then Michigan State opens up for four and immediately gets bet down to three and a half early Michigan money. So I'm like, ooh, I really like Sparty there. And then here it came, North Carolina minus three and a half. And I said, no way is Duke going to go in there with out Zion Williamson and stay within seven points of North Carolina. They became the 200 dimer. And then here I am early in the day, Texas tech wins, wins and covers. I don't use them. I'm like, Oh, this is <laughs> the North Carolina Duke game. And North Carolina played like garbage, like Cam Reddish get off in the second half. But I credit Roy Williams, who did an unbelievable job of taking Cam Reddish out of the game in the second half. Just said, we'll let let everybody else score. And North Carolina goes on a sick run, goes up 75-60, up 15 with 621 to go. I'm celebrating. Life is good. (laughs) B-Lang, 200-dime winner. Yeah, baby. And well, then I watched Duke go on a 10-0 run. Yep. North Carolina goes scoreless <laughs> for five minutes. And with a minute 20 to go, Duke cuts it to 75-70 with the ball. Wife walks into my man cave and goes, 
hi, honey, how's it going? I go, get out of my house right now. She looks at me, walks out of the room. They get a critical stop, make four free throws to seal it, and uh, and we got the 200-dime winner. So I don't know if I'll have another one the rest of the year, but – you know, to to, to to come into March Madness on a 5-2 and two run and close out the winning week with the Wolford Terriers tonight because uh, we're typing the podcast on Monday to watch the Wolford Terriers down 55-50. No chance to cover the 7.5 with 5-21 to go. But the Terriers go on a 20-3 run to close it and win by 12 and cover the number. Life is good, brother. Life it's it's good. so funny because I'm watching that game on Monday night, and I, and I tweeted out, they're going to cover this seven and a half, aren't they? <laughs> when they when they took the lead there, late when they took the lead, I think it was 57-55, I think they took the lead at one point, and then they got a defensive stop, and I said, they're going to cover this seven and a half. And people were tweeting at me, and which you guys can do, at Scott's on air, and they're saying, yep, <laughs> they're covering this seven and a half. When I watch Wofford, and, and I'll give you credit, last week on this debut episode of The Sharp Edge, you said that they're going to be this year's Loyola Chicago. You love this Wofford team going to the Final Four because they're undefeated in the SoCon, and their only losses are against pretty decent teams on the road. We're not talking about a bad team. This is not a Cinderella team. And when I watch them, do you remember that movie Mystery Alaska? Where, yes. 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 And remember, remember during the first intermission report, and Mike Myers, who's playing the Canadian hockey analyst, he's like, Johnny, I love these kids. I want to wash them up and adopt them and take them home with me. I love these kids, Johnny. <laughs> That's how I feel watching this Wofford team. I'm saying, you know what? I love these kids. I love them. I'm going to bet them. I love them. They're going to go all the way. They're going to take me to the Final Four. This team impressed me tonight because when they were down and they had to come from behind, I thought maybe this was going to be like, up oh, here we go. A bubble gets busted because UNC, uh, you know, Greensboro is going to get to the tournament. And then, of course, we're going to put in Murray State and the SoCon's going to get two teams. But they fought back, Brandon. This is a team that showed some fight there. You mentioned the run to close it out and they cover. That's a backdoor if I've ever seen one. Yeah, I've had, I've jumped on to a couple of teams in the past in the NCAA tournament that have made me look really, really good. Uh, the first, of course, was George Mason. I watched them play in their conference tournament. I said to myself, I said, you know what? This is a dangerous team that Jim Larenga had. Great guards, bigs that could play with their back to the basket. And I said to myself, I said, you know what? I really like what I'm going to see with this team. I played them every single game. They got to the Final Four, upset of UConn in overtime. They got mm -hmm. to the Final Four. Only mistake I made was I rode them against Florida and they just didn't have enough. Ended up going four and one with them against the number, but still a very good run. And then, of course, last year I went on many radio shows and called for Loyola Chicago to go to the Final Four. My wife and I were living in Jacksonville, Florida last year at this time. I went and watched early in the year in November, watched Loyola Chicago go into Florida, went down to Gainesville, watched them play in person and said to myself, okay, let me file this team away. Really impressed with what they did. And I'm, uh, I, I jumped on them and, and predicted they would go to the Final Four. This team, Wolford, if you haven't seen them play all year, they just won their 20th straight game. They picked up their 29th victory of the year, most in school history. They're ranked for the first time in school history. They remind me of George Mason. They got a big man in Jackson who can play with his back to the basket. They got multiple guards who can play. Tonight, the star literally 
was a kid that's unbelievable. Nathan Hoover went for 20 in the second half. When they were down 55-50 with five minutes to go, he hit a big runner in the lane, hit a three, and the next position got fouled and hit three free throws. And, of course, if people people haven't seen Fletcher McGee play, had a really bad game tonight. 415 from the 413 from the floor. Uh four, I'm sorry, 415 from the floor, 413 from three. Probably his worst game of the year. But Hoover picked him up. McGee, uh, uh, of course, big free throws down the stretch, and they cover the number. They remind me of a George Mason slash Loyal of Chicago. I think they're probably my prediction, probably a nine seed. And if they get a good draw, they could make some noise. I'm very high on this team. You mentioned four losses this year. North Carolina, first game of the year by 11. They got blown out at Kansas, just not a bad game. Lost to Oklahoma by 11. And, of course, their last loss at Mississippi State. So four teams, three of which we'll see in the tournament, Mississippi State, Kansas, and Kentucky. I'm sorry, North Carolina. Keep an eye on this team. I love them. I love Hoover. I love the guard Murphy. I love Jackson with his back to the basket. I'm calling it. Said it last week. The Terriers are my surprise in the big game. I'm going to make you feel old here for a second. You talk about falling in love with a team. Like you picked Lyola last year. You fell in love with uh, uh, George Mason when they had their run. Freshman year of college, 2002 for me. So I'm going to make you feel old. 2002. Weber State went 14-0 in conference. They won on like a 17- or 18-game win streak. I bet Weber State every single game for I'm a freshman. I remember like my bookie was like, What team is this? What are you was doing? That, was that Lillard? Was no, that no, Lillard? No, it wasn't Lillard's okay. team, but yeah. I just remember my bookie is like, What who the hell is Weber State? And I'm like, the Weber State Wildcats, bro. They won 17 or 18 straight games. I know they went undefeated in the conference. They lost in the tournament. I think it was to Wisconsin or something in the first round. But I just remember betting them every single night in college as a freshman going, what time is Weber State playing? Let me call my guy and put in a bet on Weber State. That's the first team that I fell in love with as like an obscure college basketball team. <laughs> Let's That's all- so great. <laughs> it's a good story. Story. And that was around the time that Gonzaga was started to do their thing. And we know the story about Gonzaga because they, they have just become one of the powerhouses in college basketball. Mark Few, you want to talk about some of the greatest coaching jobs, program building that has been done in all of college sports, not just basketball. Mark Few has done it at Gonzaga. And last week on our debut episode, Brandon, you picked them to win it all. They played in their conference tournament here on Monday night. A cruised victory over Pepperdine in the semifinals. They win by 26, but it was interesting at the end with about 13 seconds left. I think we had to watch the line there, sweat it out a little bit. Yeah, BrandonLing.com, Al DeMarco, big playing Gonzaga. I think Al's won probably a million dollars this year on Gonzaga. He uses them every time they play. They've been very good to him. You're exactly right. I, I I love this team. Once I watched them beat Duke and Maui to start the college season, they have two losses all year long. I don't think people, again, as I mentioned last week on the podcast, that people on the West Coast just don't stay up and watch these teams play. They just don't. You look at Gonzaga with the win over Duke, Zion early. They have two losses this entire year. And if you can tell me who those two losses are against, I will give you a 10-star uh, report, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I, already, are, I, know, I know one of them is North Carolina. 
Yes, 103.90 at North Carolina, went into the Dean Dome. And then without, off the top of my head, I cannot tell you who the second loss is. Obviously, I can look it up, but I'm being honest. I'm not going to be one of those guys that's going to lie to you. I remember the North Carolina game. Uh, I don't remember the other loss. They played. It was the the very next day. I'm sorry. Very next game out in Arizona. It was a little kind of holiday tournament. Tennessee. And uh, they, 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 uh, they played. Tennessee, Tennessee yeah. in Arizona mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and lost by three, 76, 73, came back home six days later, traveled cross country, lost to North Carolina, and they have not lost since. They yep. were impressive tonight. And if people haven't seen them play, do yourself a favor right now. Get your futures bet on the Zags to win it all. Mark Few's best team since he's been there. I've watched them all year long. They are impressive. So you think so? You think this is the best team that Mark Few has had? You know, he's recruiting my buddy's kid. Kid's name's Julian Strother. 6'7", goes to Liberty High School here in Vegas. Averaged 29 a game this year. I went over to Liberty. I live five minutes away from the high school. It just so happened that the game I went to, Mark Few was there. Mm. After the game, Lee and I walk over. It's funny. It's an NCAA recruiting violation if you talk to the coach after the game for more than five minutes. It's, <laughs> actually, it's actually pretty comical. Me and Lee go over. We say hello. I actually walk out of the gym with Mark Few talking about his team. I say, listen, great win in Maui. Uh, Good luck the rest of the way. Um, I've heard you say this is your best team at Gonzaga. Um, Do you still feel that way? He actually looked at me and said, Brandon, it really is. They're they're a great group of kids and probably uh, from one to nine, best group I had. I don't know if you watched the game tonight. Tilly came back. They're 6'11 big men. Mm -hmm. He got some minutes tonight. Tilly, they're two bigs. The Zags are your 2019 National champions. Six to one. Lane. Six to one right now, Brandon. That's a that's yep. that's a good payout for a team that is the number one team in the country, is a lock to get a one seed, and as we talked about, could be the best team in the country. And it's only I mean, and it's six I say only six to one. Six to one's good that's a good payout for usually a favorite is like a three to one, a four to one, six to one on Gonzaga. I think you gotta fire that up. I agree. And and, and the main reason why, and, and like I just mentioned. You're getting a team that plays in the West Coast. You're getting a yeah, team that plays Yeah, there's East Coast, Coast bias. Conference. We understand that. Yep, yep. And so the the general public, they don't get the respect. Even with the boys here in the desert, with the lines, they, they don't get the respect of playing in the West Coast Conference. I get it. When you're beating up on the St. Mary's and you're beating up on the Pepperdines and the San Diego's. Yeah, and- do you know what it is also, though? It's, it's there's no there's no one marquee marketable player on Gonzaga that's really a household name. You, you know, The reason why Duke is the favorite to win the NCAA tournament is because they're such a public team. Joe Public is hammering Duke because they know R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson are going to be two of the top three picks in the NBA draft. And it's the same thing that I look at. So Murray State wins their conference tournament, right? And they were actually the first team to get a bid to the NCAA tournament, Brandon. So they beat Belmont, and everybody that looks at Murray State, they look at John Morant. He's a lottery pick. He's going to be a top five pick in the NBA draft. But I don't think people know too much about this Murray State team 
does the line get inflated a little bit because people know about the lottery player as opposed to the team in general, much so like Duke gets inflated because people know about their players and Gonzaga doesn't get the love because people don't know about their players. Yeah, that, that that's a really good point. And, it, and you know, it's, it, it's so sad for Belmont. This is the second time and, in four years, they've had an unbelievable run. They're 20, they finished the season 26-5. and five. They ran through their conference. If people haven't had a chance to, to see Dylan Windler play, averages 21 a game. And this is a Belmont team that, that kind of came on the scene early in the year when they went out to UCLA and beat the Bruins when they had some hype, beat them 74-72 in Pauley Pavilion, went into Purdue, actually battled Purdue to an 11-point game. Um, other than that, uh, their other losses, bad loss at Wisconsin Green Bay. But other than that, in their conference, that's it. They lost to Jacksonville State, which gave Murray State all they could handle in the semis. They actually lost to Jacksonville State twice, who probably should have beat Murray State in the semis. And then, of course, the Purdue and UCLA, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the Green Bay loss. What sucks is this kid, Dylan Windler, if you've not seen him play as a stud, and here's Belmont finishing 26 and five, and we're gonna watch them play in the NIT. Yeah. And that's what happens when you don't win your conference tournament in a situation like that. Now, I think there's gonna be some interesting things in play here with Furman. Furman has had an unbelievable year, went into Villanova and beat Villanova early in the year. They blew a lead late against NC Greensboro. Furman's had a great year. I don't know if the Southern Conference can sneak in and get an at-large bid. That's really going to stink because Furman's a really good basketball team as well. I would like to see the format change for the for the brackets. You know, I was all in favor of four playing games. I, I thought that, that was one of the best things that they could have done. Yes, but I agree. don't. But I don't like where those playing games are. No, I'm not talking about playing the games at Dayton, okay? I'm talking about what seeds those games are being played for. I don't think that we should be playing playing games for 16 seeds. We should be playing playing games for the bubble teams that are trying to get into the tournament. Because if you win your conference and you earn the automatic bid to the NCAA tournament, that is not... A play-in game. You should not be in a play-in game. And I know that people say, hey, that's a part of the tournament now, right? Remember a couple years ago, they, they thought about calling it the first round instead of the first four? Biggest mistake they could have made ever then. Thankfully, they corrected that. But you deserve to get into the tournament. You accepted an automatic bid. Congratulations, you're a 16 seed. Play-in games should be for the bubble teams, the Clemsons, the TCUs. These are the teams that need to battle it out to make it to the NCAA tournament, those are the four playing games that should be played. Yeah, I agree with that. And and just just not to belittle the point, but to go back to Furman for a minute, here's where Furman got hurt. Because like I said, you don't accidentally go into Villanova and win. you got to have a squad. They beat Loyola Chicago on the road. They needed Loyola Chicago to go on and win their conference tournament mm-hmm. and get in the NCAA. They didn't. They got upset by Bradley. Okay. They beat Villanova. They lost to LSU on the road. They lost at East Tennessee State. They lost to Wolford and Greensboro, who just played in the conference final. 
The game that's going to hurt them is the loss at home to Samford as a nine-point favorite. That sealed their fate. It's too bad because the Furman team that went into Villanova could have been one of those 13, 14 seed that knocks off a, you know, knocks off a biggie. We'll watch Furman. Well, you know what? Good first round matchup. Furman and Belmont. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> the road to Madison Square Garden, right? <laughs> you know, it's funny. We talk about Murray State and the possibility of the line being inflated because of a player like John Morant. I'm looking at Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology, and, and and this dude's all over. I mean, he his his bracket's usually pretty close to what it comes out to yeah, be every good. year. He's good. Yep. He has them as a 12 seed right now, and you know wow. what the sexy thing is every year, right? A 12 beats a five, which yep. by the way has changed in recent years. It's been the 13 seeds that have been pulling the upsets. You yep. look at it, it's not the 12 seeds anymore; it's the 13 seeds. But anyway, he has them as a 12. I guarantee you, that's going to be the most popular 12-5 upset pick. Well, what's funny is Vegas Vegas really never pays attention to the seeding. Yep. That's why you may have an 11 favored over a 6. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll be like, what? Vegas laughs at these people that do these brackets, the NCAA, these, <laughs> these accountants with their pins in their yeah. white dress shirt setting up this whole gig. Um, I agree with you. We're going to. Listen, I had a great tournament last year. I finished the tournament 13 and two, rode Villanova the whole way. Um, like I said, I just came off a five and two week, and and uh, you know last March was huge. I think I won 19 of of 31 days last March, and I'm off to a great start here this this month of March. Can't wait for the tournament. There's going to be some incredible value. Um, and you and I, of course, will be back here on the podcast next Sunday night yep. to break down Selection the brackets, Sunday. give out some early winners and stuff, but. At the end of the day, looking forward to a really big tournament. Absolutely. Selection Sunday, we will have another episode for you, so look out for that on Monday morning on your commute to work. You can listen to the fresh episode of The Sharp Edge, and we'll give you some bracket advice where I like to say it's upsets early and chalk late. So yep. we'll go Good over point. that again uh, coming up on our episode Sunday night. It'll be available for you on Monday morning. But before we wrap up this episode, Brandon, I, I want to get into the big sports story of the week that's not college basketball related and that's NFL free agency Antonio Brown I know it's not free agency but it technically is because he goes to the Raiders from the Steelers and people are like it was only a third and a fifth round pick but really it wasn't about that it was about the money and he wanted a new deal and the Raiders were willing to give it to him 30 mil guaranteed for Antonio Brown going to the Raiders you like this move yeah, I think Chucky's a kid in a candy store. You could see the writing on the wall. They were going to go after somebody big. I think it's, uh, from a from a salary cap standpoint and a money issue, to get Brown and only give up a third and a fifth and still have the two firsts, which you have going into the draft, this is teed up pretty good for them. They drove at OB, hit the concession stand, bounced back right in the middle of the fairway, Chucky's looking good. It, it's, it'll be interesting to see what they do with their first two. But he's an offensive genius, and I think Brown's going to have a monster year, bring Carr out of his shell. You could kind of see the writing on the wall when they let Cooper go. 
kudos to, to to the Vegas Raiders. I say that so well because it's uh, going to be great taking my wife gonna, to a game. Yeah, no, I can't with, wait. With the jail at the stadium <laughs> in case anybody gets crazy. Vegas, baby, Vegas. I can't wait. And I keep looking at the you know pictures of the stadium going up. The construction looks absolutely fantastic. But they weren't even they weren't done there because they signed Trent Brown, the former Patriot tackle. He's yep. the highest paid offensive lineman now in football. You know, yep. I, I, I tweeted this out the other day. You have to look at where the Raiders, what they've done and where they are right now. Essentially, yep. they gave up Khalil Mack, Amari Cooper, a third round and a fifth round pick this year, a second and a sixth round pick next year, and in return, got Antonio Brown, two first rounders this year, a first rounder, a second rounder, and a fifth rounder next year. That's a sweet deal. Yep. Yep, it really is. Listen, they were competitive in a few games, but I think at the end of the day, Gruden got there, looked at the groceries in the fridge and said, okay, you know what? There's no way we're going to compete to get the playoffs this year. He went to Davis, the owner, said, listen, this is what I think. Tell me what you think, but this is what I think. If we do this and get this, this will lead to this. I think Davis came on board they they suffered a little bit, but I'm telling you right now, when the when the Raiders hit Vegas, that's when they'll be a contender. You fasten your seatbelts; yeah. they're going to be unbelievable. Kudos, John Gruden. Do you know what pisses me off so much about the whole Vegas situation? So, <laughs> in a couple of years from now, Super Bowl forty uh, fifty five, whatever it is, what are we up to now? What year are we on? I don't even know. 50, whatever, but we're coming to Vegas in like four years. The but, great thing is, no, no, is next but, year's- but he, he, this is this is this is here. Super Bowl 55 was supposed to be in Los Angeles. That stadium was not ready. So they decided to move the game to Tampa. Super Bowl 55 in Roman numerals is Super Bowl LV. That game should be in Vegas. Super Bowl LV should be Super Bowl Las Vegas. It is a marketing dream come true that the NFL decided not to do because they wanted to give the Raiders stadium at least a year of full operation before they put a Super Bowl there. Smart, smart. Listen, my wife and I went to dinner on the Strip the other night, drove right by the stadium. It's it's. It, it's almost, it's weird. <laughs> it's right literally off the freeway. Yeah, it's across from the Mandalay Bay. Yeah, they're going to bring a, they're going to bring a, you, you'll be able to walk over the freeway. Stadium's right there. So anybody on the strip, that part of the strip's going to be able to walk over. Brilliant from a schematic standpoint, but you're exactly right. Smart. Um, I tell you what, Vegas, Vegas is alive and well. And it's going to be great with the Raiders here. You know, I, I got to ask you, did you, were you at, my brother just finished the event, the, uh, the, what event did he do? The one drop charity event at the Bellagio, I think it was. Did you go? One night for one drop? Did you go on? A- Didn't know about it. Had no idea. Oh, had come someone on. let it, me know. Was, I probably would have finagled my way it, in. It was Mark, we, McGra- Mark McGrath was there. Boys to think, Men was there. Yeah, it, I don't <laughs> think you and I knew one another at the time. Had you alerted me, I probably would have loved to showcase the, the hot wife. And yeah, you know what? I, next year, we will go to the event. I promise. Next year. Oh. I was I was upset that I didn't go last year when my brother booked the Backstreet Boys. 
But uh, next year, maybe we'll see what we can book, and we'll we'll go to we'll go to a Raider game at the stadium when it's built, and we'll have to go to the charity event at the Bellagio. So uh, awesome. that's a that's awesome. a good one. All right, Brandon, this is a fun episode. Next Monday, as soon as you wake up. You're going to have the episode because Selection Sunday, we are going to record an NCAA tournament podcast episode breaking down the first and second round potential matchups, give you advice on how to pick these teams. Brandon might have another 200 dime play. I don't know. Am, am I being too am, am I being too uh, anxious here, Brandon, or, or can I expect another big one from you? There will be another 200 dimer Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. <laughs> The first round of the NCAA tournament, because I'm telling you right now, there's going to be value. And, and and that just goes back to, to what we started the podcast with. I, I always go over the games and write down what my line is. And then I let the boys in the desert and I get their line. Yep. I, I, I trust them most of the time, but I think they're going to miss a few here and, and I'm going to pounce. So yes, sir. We were 200 diamond number two in a row is uh is out there in La La Land, so uh, stay tuned. All right, before we get out of here, I'm going to give you a fire, quick fire, rapid fire questions. I'm going to give you conference tournament odds. You give me the winner, okay? I'll tell you who the favorite is, and all you got to do is tell me yes or no on the favorite, okay? Is that fair? Okay. Quick rapid fire. ACC, Virginia. Well, I'm saying Virginia is the favorite, yes or no? No, North Carolina. Okay, all right. Pac-12. The favorite is Oregon. Yes or no? Oh no, Washington will get revenge. Washington. Oh, I'm sorry. Wash, Wash. Actually, you know what? Washington is a slight favorite of Oregon. Two point five. Yeah, to they'll, three. they'll they'll get their stuff together. They'll they'll win the Pac-12. Okay, the Big Ten: Michigan State, Purdue, or Michigan. Michigan State will beat them. Michigan State had to go into Purdue, got down big, fought back from a twenty point deficit in the second half. Love what I'm seeing from Sparty. It's funny, Nick Ward out. Tillman and Goins have have loaded up the paint. Spartans are your Big Ten champions. All right, and we'll go to uh, – I miss the old Big East so much. Uh, anybody but Villanova? Do you like Marquette at all? Marquette struggled down the stretch. Critical – two critical losses. Uh, I think – I think Nova gets it together. I, I I I don't know why. I think Jay Wright gets Nova together, and 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 they peak once again. I like Marquette, but if you shut down Howard, they struggle. Sleeper in that conference, believe it or not, the Johnnies, the Johnnies. But but okay. I'm gonna go with Villanova. Big Twelve, Texas Tech or the field? Texas Tech, hands down, Texas. playing the best of anybody. Although I think we're gonna get a Kansas State Texas Tech final. What a great final that'll be. SEC, Tennessee, Kentucky, or the field? Kentucky, I yeah. think Kentucky on a neutral floor. Um, LSU with with the coaching situation. Davis, the the the, the freshman's got to set now because he's on the wiretap as well. They won the SEC, but I think at the end of the day, uh, John Calipari and Kentucky cut down the nets. And the American, Houston or the field? Houston. I'm so impressed with that win on Sunday going into Cincinnati. If you've not seen them play, this team is legit. 
uh, Houston wins the AAC. And there it is. We will be back with you in a fresh episode of The Sharp Edge on Monday for your commute to work. And as you prepare for the NCAA tournament, we will record it. Selection Sunday. Don't forget to check out BrandonLang.com. Follow me, Scott Seidenberg, on Twitter at ScottsOnAir. For Brandon Lang, I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Sharp Edge. Brandon, we'll talk to you Sunday night. Bye, big dog. Tip. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.